Welcome back to this fortnight's episode of the Crypto Catch-Up. Uh, with me, I've got Tommy, myself, Pav. Hey, Tommy. Hey, mate. How are you doing? Good, good. Very good. good to be back. It's good to be back. It's good to be doing it again. Good to be talking crypto. As always, mate. There's, um, there's a fair bit happening. We've seen a bit of a relief pump in the last couple of weeks. And as we're recording today, it's all it's all diminished again. So we're kind of back to where we started a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. And it's gone. <laughs> and it's gone. Yes. Right. <laughs> well, well, we'll jump into the markets in a sec. I guess just to give everyone a little bit of a headline of what we're going to be covering today. We've got um, the latest on the, the F merge. Ethereum is actually finally doing it. We have a date, so that's pretty exciting. Uh, we've got some updates on a few crypto exchanges that everyone might be seeing and hearing about across socials in the news and also the latest from celsius so we'll just give everyone an update on what's happening there and tesla i know that's been a bit of a contentious one selling off quite a bit of bitcoin so just unpacking that a bit too in a little bit but first things first mate let's talk about the markets yeah well what do you think me i reckon it's looking okay like as much as we're dipping again i think leading into the most recent dip that we had for seven days, we had six green days of daily closes in Bitcoin alone. So, I mean, we haven't seen that sort of price action since the start of this year. So, that's somewhat positive to actually know that there's been some buyers jumping in, whether they're bored or not, or there's actually something happening that everyone's waiting and happy to look at right now. Yeah, I actually, like I, right in the middle of this little relief pump that, I, that we mentioned, it kind of was happening in the last week. I just had this feeling that it's not the one we're looking for. It's not quite the one we're hoping for or chasing mm. at this time. Like, even if you look at the seven day, as much as I, you know, we feel like apart from the last couple of days, we've had an awesome couple of weeks. If you go back to the seven day performance, everything is down again, right? Yeah. Like on eats down 10%, Bitcoin is down nearly 6%. Like it's, um, I guess it's kind of played out like I, I think I mentioned in that tweet, I was like, you know, we're not out of the woods yet. We still have to be careful you know, in these types of markets with, with your investments. So, yeah, I think it's, again, it's all about the diversification. It's all about the um, dollar cost averaging in this climate. The message hasn't really changed for quite a while. Yeah, it's interesting because I think just the global sentiment across the board, like I know the NASDAQ, the US index for their stocks there, they've, you know, again, shown a lot what you consider probably the most strength it's, it's shown in, in months. So, I mean, it seems like the whole sort of global macro picture is it's just being a little bit less negative. Um, that being said, there is a pretty big piece of news coming out. Uh, listeners, when they hit this, they'll, they'll see it. But tomorrow, which will be the 28th at 4 a.m. Australian Eastern Standard Time, uh, the next update on what the U.S. Fed's going to pass down in interest rates is going to hit. So historically, we have seen markets sell off in the few days leading into this news as investors get a bit risk off, I guess you could say. So from here, uh, they're, they're pegging a... Up to 2.5% forecast, which is huge to give everyone some context. The last one hit is that in one hit? One hit, yeah. Mm. So the last number that came out of the gates there for the FOMC was at a federal funding rate of 1.75%. So this is even steeper than that one. So there's a, I guess, a bit of area speculation at the moment that, you know, with the rising COVID situation and, you know, people just struggling with the amount of quantitative tightening that there's been that maybe the Fed won't pass on the full recommended rate and it might be a little bit of a release of pressure valve situation but again that's all speculation uh, markets, markets will obviously react on the back of 100 you know, whatever side of the coin the fed decide to go with yeah the truth is generally somewhere in the middle and, and i've got <laughs> always talk about like and i have heard that there is a coin that they use to decide these type of things so, yeah right yeah flip of a coin flip of a coin. yeah fair enough yeah i wouldn't be surprised based on some of the some of what we've seen come out, come out <laughs> there you know in the last few years 
Yeah. So I think it'll be an interesting, I think, like, as Tommy said, like, we could be not out of the neck of the woods. I mean, if that does pass across, as they're saying, it, it could be very negative for the whole market as a whole as everyone fleets back to cash for safety and security. But there's a couple of catalysts still hanging about, right? Oh, yeah. Like, we talked about in the last podcast, we talked about the Mount Gox, you know, Bitcoin coming online. That's the end of next month. Yeah, I was just trying to wonder what date that yeah, was. Yeah, it's the end of, end of August. So we still have that hanging around as well as this, I guess, this news around the um, the Federal Reserve announcement. So yep. yeah, staying very much grounded, I think, in the, in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, it seems to be the ticket. And I know everyone sort of noticed probably one early sign that everyone's sort of seen on their way to or from work or to or from dropping the kids off is the price of fuels going down quite significantly. So US oil as a whole is a really good way. Uh, a lot of people do measure and track inflation and how the economy is tracking as a whole. So yep. we have dropped below that $100 a barrel US, which is the first time almost this whole year that we've hit these lows. Uh, uh, ever since February, we've really just been skyrocketing on that front. So remember uh, when oil went to like negative Already bucks yeah. or something like that? Was that a year COVID, and a half ago? COVID, mate. Yeah. It was more expensive to hold it. Trying to get my head around it is just, it's it's impossible to try and understand, you know, it would have been a good investment if you yeah. if you could get a hold of it back then, I guess. Yeah, that was the futures index pricing. And yeah. it was it was to say like, it was more expensive for them to hold and store the oil than it was, than to, it was to, to get actually, rid of it. Yeah, crazy. Just a mental thought, really. What's going on with EAT? Have we got a date? I've been hurt before, Pav, please. Oh, that's awesome. We were joking about this before the podcast, actually. Like, I think one of the first times we started working at SwiftX, it was all the rage that the ETH merge was coming. But as of July this year, which is this month we are currently in, the Ethereum core development team has basically thrown out a timeline uh, with a tentative launch date of somewhere within the week of the 19th of September. So... What that means for Ethereum, there could be a lot more people locking up their ETH, which means there's less available on the market. So, you know, if you're if you're a speculator, you might sort of hedge your bets and think that ETH may not dip as hard as some of the assets might if we do track to the downside and also to the other side. Obviously, if, if we do see prices recover off the back of some of this key news, it might have a bit more rocket fuel behind it, really. So it'll be definitely an interesting one to see. But people are still kind of incentivized to lock it up, right? Because they still yeah. have those staking rates are like, seven to twelve percent based on where you go so and it's it's like you've fixed in there for like one or two years or something isn't yeah, it? yeah that's right that's yeah. right um which but, is obviously you know <laughs> it's a risk but i guess you know people are have conviction around the project they're kind of happy to to write out a couple of years of oh man absolutely of locked ETH. you know it's, been it's still the yeah, absolutely it's still the backbone of DeFi, and that's not going to change yeah. and i guess a lot of people may be still coming into this quite fresh and quite new don't actually quite understand the significance of this one. So I would actually point you to the SwiftX Learn platform because it was an awesome learning topic to sort of walk you through this one and what it means. But at a very high level view, we're, you know, we're less reliant on specialized hardware to conduct this, what we would previously call proof of work or most commonly known as mining. So it means that it's more eco-friendly as well. There's less hardware, it means there's less power consumed. So I know they're speculating up to 99% reduction in the carbon emission toll at the moment. Yeah. So that's pretty big. Top of people's mind at the moment, obviously, as well. So, you know, works towards, uh, I guess, global trends. Absolutely. We've got risk of centralization. So, I mean, if all the mining farms are in these big hubs and something happens and takes them out, something happens to the power grids, whatever have you, it, it could potentially affect network stability. Whereas with proof of stake, it, anyone can really get amongst that, like any individual without having too much These of a hardware rights. Your barrier to entry is lowered. Like Absolutely. You can set up a proof of stake system in your own house, essentially, and yeah. validate transactions and get rewards for that. So it yep. just plays into that decentralization piece. I, I probably will do one of those, if I'm honest, uh, at some stage. You know? Get a TikTok it? I reckon. I reckon. <laughs> Might do. <laughs> 
That sounds good. And I guess the other one that's been a burning question for anyone that's been a bit of a veteran in the space over the last, you know, 12 to 24 months, will the gas fees be cheaper? Uh, answer is no. It could lead to a reduction in the rate which gas fees do build up uh, in the future. But because of the way the network will still operate, essentially, if you want to read into it, the block size won't change. So that demand of how many receipts you can pack into a block will still stay the same. Yeah. Uh, but it'll just be the way that it all gets processed and it will be a bit cheaper. I think hopefully. it's a bit of a misconception as well around that people think the merge is going to be the, like I think I mentioned before, the Holy Grail, the holy grail yeah. or the silver bullet for, yeah. for ETH as a network. And yeah. like, it's, it's not going to be the case. It will obviously improve things. Mm. In this kind of a market, and we're, when the volumes are down, like people don't worry as much about gas fees. Like, mm. you know, everything is reduced. Bitcoin fees to transfer reduced. ETH fees are reduced to transfer. So it's, it's not, yeah, it's not like top of people's mind, but when things kick off again, yeah. that's when, you know, it really comes back again. Like it, this story rears its head every single time we have a run in the market. Uh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I think the most recent one was the board eight yacht club, the land sales, like $5,000 for gas fees during yeah. that run. It was crazy. So it's insane. hopefully that's should insane. help alleviate the pressure in those sort of high pressure situations. Yeah. Couple of crypto exchanges not doing so well at the moment. We've, you know, we've seen some very high profile failures across the industry that, you know, this contagion effect people are talking about. And it's obviously, it's a net loss for the industry overall, to be honest. There's just losers out of this. It kind of affects all businesses. And it's really just the sentiment that shifts and changes towards the whole industry, which is where, you know, Regardless of how good or bad your business is, it, it just kind of has this negative effect. But I think one of the ones we've seen since the last podcast, um, Zipmex, obviously, um, you know, pretty, I think pretty big name in crypto Zipmex for quite a while based mm. out of kind of Singapore, Thai, Thailand. They also had an arm in Australia. So they opened up, I think June 2019, they launched in Australia. Yeah. You know, it had an earn program, had a trading wallet. And yeah, basically they've halted with customer withdrawals as of a couple of weeks ago. So obviously that's not a good sign. Um, they kind of cited the reasons, obviously liquidity issues. They had exposure to Babel Finance who are in trouble at the moment. Um, exposure to Celsius as well. So there's, you know, essentially potentially loan defaults there that they're incurring issues for, especially around liquidity. I mean, if you've got, you know, assets in that earn wallet, essentially they've lended them out they can't actually get access to them themselves. So that's where the where the halts on withdrawals are. I know that the Aussie customers can withdraw from their trading wallet. Oh yeah. Right. So okay. the diminished service is on that earn wallet that they that they hold. So, you know, obviously not good news again. You know, there's been more news about them being in discussions with uh, potential investors to essentially come in and, and save the day, but it seems like they're looking to raise around fifty mil to cover the exposure to Babylon Celsius. So yeah. And uh some news on Celsius, Pav, as well. Yeah, we've um, just had the latest out of there. Again, nothing too groundbreaking. I mean, there is some clarity, I guess. They've filed for what they call Chapter 11 bankruptcy in the States, which means they're going to continue to operate, essentially, restructure the business and try to pay off their debts. So there is that sort of goodwill in the actions that they're taking, I guess. Uh, the bad thing is still that it doesn't look like they're opening up withdrawals anytime soon. Just with those, I guess, key dependencies that they're trying to rectify. There's some commentary out there that this could be Mt. Gox 2.0, where essentially a lot of people just find their money is stuck in limbo yeah. for many, many years to come. Um, so draw no process to, tr to recovery. Yeah. And like, you know, it could go down the route of, you know, there might be some sort of class action against them, similar to what Mt. Gox did. And there could be lawyer firms offering to pay people for their crypto to go fight for it themselves. Like that gets a bit messy. 
there was a bit of hope because there was optics around Celsius paying down some of the liabilities that they had. I think they'd, they'd paid back. Well, they paid back the Bitcoin liability. A couple hundred mil worth yeah. of liabilities they'd paid down. So yeah. people were like, okay, they're trying to get things in order, but... I guess you can look at it from a few different ways. Are they trying to protect, you know, they're trying to minimize their liabilities as a company in preparation for this chapter 11 yeah, um, exactly. filing. So yeah, it's a bit of a double-edged sword, I think, at the moment. hundred oh, percent. So it's, it's still one that'll continue to play out. I think the, the sad truth is it, it won't be any quick resolution, which, you know, I know even myself have small amounts locked up and they're not nothing I'm going to miss, but I'm sure. sure there's plenty of people out there hurting with this one. So they had a lot of users, right? Like, so you have, they had a lot of exposure, very high profile CEO, you know, often oh, yeah. these AMAs every week. It's like, yeah, just definitely stinging to a lot of people. I'd imagine, and, you know, you didn't have to be based in the US or anything to use it, right? So anyone no, from anyone, any country, anyone from much, anywhere, from exactly. anywhere could use it. So yeah, I was deposit your crypto. Yeah, yeah. pretty much. Yeah. Another one on the menu is Voyager. You know, Voyager have been going through issues as well. There was a story. I think it's actually in, in fact at the moment now FTX came in, FTX mm-hmm. Exchange came in to try and save the day. But um, I guess the news going around the last couple of days is that FTX came in with this kind of a low ball offer. A bear market offer. Yeah, yeah. And I think their their CEO, Sam Bankman-Freud, was, you know, he's kind of pinned it as well. We're coming in. The offer covers all of your clients. So all of your clients' funds will be replenished. Right. But it seems to be, you know, that's not enough for, for Voyager at this stage. Obviously, you know, their business would have been worth a lot, mm. um, even probably 12 months ago. So, you know, a lot of these firms are going to have to make decisions. Are they happy for their users to be kind of made whole? Or are they still trying to kind of get the best out of it and, and make money themselves? So I guess that one's probably a little bit up in the air at the moment. And um, yeah, it's interesting, actually, Something I was reading, uh, I wanted to mention too, Pav, is Pav, mm. the, it's actually a writer's report that I, that I oh, read yeah. this morning. You know, it's kind of on the same topic, I suppose, but um, VC firms are actually still investing very aggressively into digital assets and, and blockchain startups. Now, <laughs> when I read it first, I was like, really? Is that, you know, is this actually the case? But I guess the numbers don't lie. And on the report, VCs have actually invested to date 17.5 billion which is on track. Yeah, and that's this year, right? So this calendar year. So it's actually on track to outperform last year, which for me kind of blows my mind when I think about it. It's yeah. like, look at what we've had in the last year. Like everything's so bullish. Sentiment has completely shifted in the last, say, eight months, six to eight months. But we're still on track to, to kind of see further investments come into the space. So, you know... <laughs> We've kind of touched on that before, yeah. just to say that, unfortunately, the way that the world works is a lot of the guys with the most money will come up and swoop in when times look the most dire, because that's the best buying opportunity, That's right. right. You know, and, and yeah. these, the VCs, they're not buying crypto businesses when they're worth their absolute most. They're no. coming in now when, when businesses are about to die and they're trying to, you know, <laughs> be that white knight, as, as they say, you know, to save the day, but they're just looking for value, right? Absolutely. Yeah. But certain, you know, exchanges might list on the NASDAQ or something like that and offer retail users shares when it's at the absolute peak. I don't know. Not mm, today. Yeah, maybe. potentially. Yeah, <laughs> potentially. You might be alluding to something there, but we won't, we won't speculate <laughs> around that. But I'm not in trouble. Yeah, I guess, I guess this, listen, the story here is there's always money on the sidelines. Yeah, yeah. There's, companies always have a massive war chest for such events as we're and market conditions as we're going through now. And I guess people are talking about the industry's debt, right? Yeah. Like, we know it's not, obviously. But but this is kind of some of the sentiment we're seeing. But you know, when you see these VCs are are pouring mm. money back into the industry yeah. at, at a rate even more aggressive than we've seen in the last year. I mean, that's just great news for me. And like seeing a story like that coming from a reputable reporting from like routers, it's really, really cool to see. It. 
What about Tesla? Elon is back at it again. Yeah, 75% of their Bitcoin, gone. I mean, it's nothing sinister. Uh, there was a bit of an excerpt that I'll just sort of read out to here. Essentially, Elon did mention that the earnings conference called that the company had sold Bitcoin to maximize its cash because, unfortunately, the COVID brought with it uncertainty. Uh, he added that the sales should not be seen as a verdict on Bitcoin at all. So it doesn't really chance the fundamental stance, I guess, of, I mean, Again, it's Tesla. It's not just Elon, unfortunately. Yeah. It's it's more than him. It's bigger than him. Like there's a balance sheet that exactly, to, exactly. To look like, after, so. They've got a business to run. He's yeah. Yeah, he's got a balance sheet to look after. Exactly yeah. right. Like if you need liquidity and you have it sitting in a volatile asset like mm. like crypto, mm. you know what's the first thing that's going to go? Like I I don't see it as the signal of intent by Tesla or Elon at all. To be honest, I just you know I'm yeah. trying to decipher what's the message here. Like pretty much for, for me, it's just they needed cash. Yeah, you know their their core business, their fundamental goal is to build EVs. Yeah, you know, <laughs> not invest in crypto. So exactly, you know, they're just kind of. I think they're just stripping it back to fundamentals, man. And I think that's that's probably the message there. They needed money to you know ride out this market. They also need funding to you know continue to build out their business. You know, Tesla is not going anywhere. We know they're an absolute mm. global powerhouse, which kind of brings me to another point. I was talking to somebody last week about diversification. You know, my favorite, my favorite term. Your favorite word, yeah. Yeah, but I was talking to somebody about investing in stocks and shares, crypto, equity, you know, whatever way you want, commodities. And the person I was speaking to was talking about, you know, they'd invested in Bitcoin and ETH and, you know, some of the top cryptos, as well as investing in like Coinbase and MicroStrategy and, and Tesla and these companies. And the way I was looking at it, I was like, well, that's not really diversification. Like you're kind of investing on your bias toward a particular industry. So I don't know who needs to hear this, I suppose, but I guess, you know, if you are thinking about diversifying into equities, you also need to look at the types of biases you're bringing with you into that investment industry. And, you know, not financial advice, but I mean, just just for something for people to consider, you know, you're not really diversified if you have an industry bias and you're still investing in companies that track very closely the industry itself, like, you know, like crypto, for instance. So even Tesla, you know, people investing in Tesla, because they're bullish on a Bitcoin investment is probably not the right way to, to look at it. And you know, I guess stripping it back even more, Coinbase would have been one of those companies as well, obviously publicly listed now. We actually seen the price drop like 20% the last couple of days on the back of a, an SEC investigation around potential securities trading as well. So, you know, you got to be just very mindful if you're looking at these kind of strategies and, and yeah. Yeah, you got to do what's best for you. Your circumstance will be different to yeah. that guy on Twitter that keeps plugging away to whatever he's doing. So exactly. it's right. a good shout out. Mate, other than that, I guess we've got some market movers we can go over. There's been some phenomenal rockets. Again, I don't think we can read too much into this, just given the fact that, you know, low cap assets will do what they do best, and that is moon, and just annihilate themselves soon after. So not saying that's going to happen here, but just to call out the <laughs> the first top mover is up a, a very modest 560% in the last 14 days. So sustainable. Very sustainable. Uh, Barnbridge. <laughs> Uh, not to say that it couldn't keep going, but again, something to do your own research into. But doing a bit of reading into that one, it looks like it is a protocol on DeFi that does offer some hedging tools. So with a very volatile market like we have started to see after being quite dormant for some time, I guess you could say in terms of directional flow, that asset just sort of, I guess, showing some recent spike in price as well. And uh, they've also listed on a recently new launch chain, Optimism as well. So that again, just opening up their market share for the product that they offer. The next one we've got is Lido Dow. Tommy, I know you mentioned you're looking into Lido Dow as well quite recently. Um, yeah. 
quite timely too with the, I guess, the ETH news as well, but that's up 115% in the last two weeks. If you could sum up what Lido does in a couple of words, what would you say it does? Yeah, I guess it's a, you know, it's just another DeFi protocol. I think one of the key points about Lido though is it actually allows you to stake your ETH without needing to lock it up. So that's kind of the, the main piece of it. And it's, you know, it just plays into the story around the ETH merge and, you know, they moved to proof of stake pretty much. So yeah, that's probably one to call out. No, I had been looking at that one recently because of oh, yeah. its market movement realistically. Yeah, okay. There's a lot of tokens around that eat merge. So mm. if people are interested, I would say, you know, go on and, and do your own research around tokens associated with the success of that eat merge. So I think that'll be a good kind of um, minor trend to watch over the next kind of couple of months as well. It's a good chat. Yeah. Have met. It's been, as always, it's been amazing catching up and um, yeah, yeah, look forward to the next one. I think the next one's going to be a good one. Hopefully we get a bit more of an understanding of where things are going now that yep. the dust seems to be settling. Yeah, it's going to be some big news coming out in the next couple of weeks. So yeah, tune in for the next one, guys. And uh, until then, all the best. Catch you later. Cheers. Thank you so much for joining us for today's show. If you liked it, don't forget to head over to the gram and join us at Tapping Into Crypto. And before we finish up, just a general disclaimer that this podcast is for entertainment purposes only. And the opinions on this podcast belong to individuals and are not affiliated with any companies mentioned. Any advice is general in nature and does not take into account your own personal situation. If you're looking to get advice, please seek out the help of a licensed financial advisor. We'll talk to you soon. 